This is Stand Up For Jesus with your host, Craig Nedro, founder of Craig Nedro Ministries and Stand Up For Jesus. Our focus is to reach out to the lost and witness about the transforming power of Jesus Christ and calling on others to stand up for Christ and His Word, proclaiming that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And now, Standing Up For Jesus, here's Craig Nedro. Welcome to the program. This is Stand Up For Jesus, and my name is Craig Nedro. On the program today, I'm going to continue to talk about a subject that I brought up a couple of weeks ago, and that is uh, the fact that uh, I have recently finished writing my second book, and it is going to be published by uh, the same station that this radio station is on, uh, one of the the subsidiaries of Salem Communications. I'm really excited about it. I've been talking about a little bit of the the subject matter on it lately, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that. On, on the program today. Um, I've also mentioned that if you're interested in getting a copy of the book, uh, we, we are hoping to have it um, published uh, towards the end of August, maybe the first part of September. And I, at the end of the program, I'll give you information on how you can send your contact information to receive a book when it is published. But uh, on the program today, what I want to talk about, and if you've listened to this program uh, for any period of time, you know that uh, part of my ministry is really shining the light on what's going on in our world and specifically in our country today. And it's called, the Bible refers to this as a watchman calling. I've mentioned this and taught on this before many times, but a watchman calling is not a popular calling because the Apostle Paul said, have no fellowship with the unfruitful, unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And so when that's part of the calling on your ministry, it's just not a very popular calling. And I never got into the ministry to be popular. Um, What I want to do is be faithful to the Scriptures. I want to rightly divide and rightly teach the Word of God. I take that as a very serious responsibility. It's a wonderful honor for me to be able to teach from the Word. Uh, I'm friends with a lot of pastors. Uh, I get to speak in a lot of different places and it's a wonderful opportunity to be a minister of the Word of God, but it's also a very serious responsibility, and I take it as such. But I think we are living in a, in, a, in a time, and I've made this comment before on the program, I think we're living in a time right now that past generations have dreamed about living in. Uh, when we watch and see the things that are unfolding in our world today from a physical standpoint about... Um, whether it be weather, um, natural disasters, things that are taking place around the world that the Bible prophesied about many, several thousand years ago, uh, to the social conditions that we find ourselves in right now in in this world, um, to uh, political events and economic events and just the world order of things that's going on. This is an amazing time to be alive on planet Earth especially if you can look at things through the lens of what God's, God's Word has to say. I, again, I've made this comment before, but I will say it again. The Bible reads like tomorrow's newspaper. I have businessmen. I have very wealthy people. I have uh, people that will come to me and say, Craig, can you give me a biblical perspective on what's happening in our world today? And the simple answer is yes, I can, because the Bible tells us uh, what will happen in the world. The Bible tells us very clearly at the, in the very last days before the return of Christ what the world conditions will be like, and we are 
in, in that time period right now. Uh, Jesus said, when you see all these signs, know that your redemption is near. And that's one of the great signs in and of itself is that when all these signs begin to come uh, come together at the same time, which is what's happening in our world today. Um, it is an amazing time to be alive. Um, it's a very sober-minded time to be alive. If you're a non-believer, um, then um, it's a it's a time where people are are questioning what's happening around the world. Um, I can't. I don't know how people, and I don't know how I made it through my life as long as I did without Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But I talk to people, and there's a a feeling of despair, uh, a feeling of anxiety and fear that has gripped a lot of people. Uh, that are um, that are not believers in Christ. I know a lot of a lot of believing Christians who have that same fear. But here's what I will tell you: If you are a follower of Christ, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you do not have to fear what's happening in our world today. Now, I want to speak about, um, and it's really called its term. The term for it is called the age of accountability. So I've had people ask me before, what about what about young people? At what age? Are people uh, is in other words, if Jesus came back now, what about the children? And I will tell you that until a young person is at an age of accountability, um, all young people, if Jesus returned right now um, and removed the church, all young people would go with us. They would all they would all be raptured along with the rest of the church. Until someone is a, of a, a certain age where they can either consciously understand the concept of uh, sin and confession and um, surrender to Jesus Christ or reject Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's called an age of accountability. And a lot of times it's a younger age for girls than it is for guys. And this is hard for some, for some men to understand, but generally speaking, when we're young, uh, girls mature a little bit quicker than than most guys, but it's different with every with every person. The age of accountability for one youth might be the the age of thirteen. Another one it might be the age of sixteen. But whatever that age of accountability is, where they can either consciously understand and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, or consciously say, "No, I don't want to believe in Jesus." That's called an age of accountability. And so I say all that. Because again, um, if you're a follower of Christ, if you if you if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and of course you can't earn that salvation; it's a free gift from God. But if you have surrendered your life to Christ, and we watch what's happening in the world today, this is an exciting time to see the things that that are happening and taking place. And it's all in the Bible. The Bible talked about all, everything that we're seeing happening in our world right now. The Bible talked about it many years ago. It's called prophecy, and we're watching it unfold right now before our very own eyes. And so in my ministry, I try to be relevant. I try to talk about these things that are going on in our world today from from a biblical perspective. I try to give everything that I talk about support from the Word of God. And so with that in mind, I want to continue down that road on the program today. I'm really going to focus on four different scriptures today. And each one of these scriptures has a very relevant context to what's going on in our world today. So, as usual, I'm reading from the New King James Version. If you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, that's great. 
If you don't, or if you're driving, because my program, because it airs when it airs, a lot of people are in their vehicles during the when the program airs. You don't need to have your Bible open because I'm going to read the Scriptures and I'm going to teach from the Scriptures. So the first one I want to talk about is in the book of Colossians. Now, Paul was the author of Colossians. And in Colossians, if you can open your Bible up to Colossians chapter 2, I'm going to read Colossians chapter 2, and I'm going to read in verse 8. And before I read this particular verse, I want to mention that when I read this, I want you to think about what I'm going to read to you here in context, and I'm going to give you an example because I think it's very applicable to what happens in our college universities today. There's, um, I've talked to a lot of Christian parents and who have experienced this where they have raised their children in the church, uh, kids that have been raised in a Christian environment, and then when they go off to college, oftentimes they go into these classrooms and these liberal-minded progressive professors uh, spew a lot of philosophy and world viewpoints. And if the, those young people have not been rooted and grounded in the Word of God, if they don't really understand why they believe what they believe, they can begin to question their faith, and they can go down that road and really buy in and believe a lot what the professors are talking about. And I don't mean this in a critical way. But a lot of the people that are teaching our kids in college have, in my opinion, have no business teaching our kids in college because they're spewing out a lot of garbage and a lot of filth and a lot of depravity to our young people. And it's a concern for me because I'm a father and a grandfather, and I'm concerned about my kids and my grandkids. And I know I know most of you listening to this program share that same feeling. So I want to read this first verse and think about this from a context of what happens to a lot of our young people when they go off to the to universities. So Paul says in Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. Paul starts out and he says beware. Now folks, the Bible whenever you see in the Bible um it says beware. Pause there. Because the Bible never says beware unless it wants us to beware of something. In other words, that word beware is almost like, hey listen, what I'm getting ready to tell you is important. And you need to listen to it and be on guard for it. So Paul starts out and he says, beware. And he says, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Now, I'm going to read this verse a couple more times, and I want to talk about it because this this verse is loaded with information. Paul is saying, listen, I need you to be aware of something. And he says, lest anyone. So Paul's include, he, he's not saying, look, I, beware unle- uh, lest the people from Greece or be, beware lest uh, the, the Pharisees. Or, or He's saying, beware lest anyone. So it, it, this can happen and it can come from anywhere. And he says, lest anyone cheat you. In other words, and back to our college, back to what's happening in our universities. I almost feel like a lot of our our young people that go to these universities are being cheated by the professors that they go into these classes and they sit, and these professors start just spewing stuff off like they're authorities on things. And I almost feel like a lot of our young people are being cheated because a lot of our young people go to these universities and they want to they they want to fit in. They they want to they they go to these classes with an open mind. And they want to learn. And so it almost, in a, in a way, feels like they're being cheated sometimes. Paul says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy 
Now, I find that interesting that Paul mentioned that. So in other words, what is philosophy? I mean, we all basically know what it is, but philosophy is when somebody goes, well, here's, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you an example. You walk into a classroom and somebody goes, I'm going to tell you what the truth is about this. And they, uh, and they begin to give their opinion and, and they lay out a certain opinion and a certain teaching. That's a philosophy. And Paul says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy And then he says, empty deceit. He says, through philosophy and empty deceit. Empty deceit. In other words, what they're telling you is worthless. And they're they're spewing this philosophy, and it's it's empty deceit. It's deception. It's not true. Something is either true or it's not true. And I've talked I talk about this at great length in my book that I've got coming out about what is truth. We live in a world now where there's a, the, the, the devil has created something called a gray area. People go, well, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if that's black or white, but it's in the gray area. Folks, almost entirely something is either uh, true or not true. Um, an exaggeration, it, it, you might as well just be honest and say if, if we exaggerate, that's a lie. The Bible says let your yes be yes and let your no be no. And listen, we've all failed in this area. I know, I, I know. I mean, I don't know how many times, but I've failed in these areas like everybody else. But we live in a world now where truth is questioned. And somebody might say, just because you believe something is true, Craig, doesn't mean it's true for me. Well, I will tell you something. At the end of all things, it, what my opinion is of what's true and what's, what your opinion is of what's true has no bearing on if something is true or not. The Bible says, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall never pass away. The Bible says every word of God is true. So at the end of all things, the, the plumb line, the final authority, is not what I think or what you think or anybody else thinks is true. The final authority is what God's word says is true. And that's why when I hear things, I almost immediately say, well, let me go to the Scriptures. Let me go to God's Word and see if it lines up with God's Word. And if I hear something and it goes contradictory to what God says is true, then that's a huge red flag for me, and it should be for anybody. So Paul says here in Colossians 2 and 8, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. And then Paul goes further. He says, according to the tradition of men. What does that mean? It means just because the whole world says this is right, just because the whole world says this is wrong, doesn't make it right or wrong. I will tell you the majority of the time, the majority of people are wrong. You know, when it's, I'm, I'll just use a classic example, and I'm not being judgmental towards anybody, but when they, when they started, when COVID came out, there was so much information thrown out, and, and I'm telling you that it was a test to see if people would do what the leaders said that they should do. We closed our schools. We closed our businesses. We stayed at home. We got vaccinated. We did everything that we were told. And then slowly over the last three years, we've come to find out that we were lied to over and over and over and over again. And so that's an, that's an example of the tradition of men. And then Paul says, or according to the basic principles of the world, Jesus says um, our citizenship is in heaven. Jesus said that uh, this world, is we live in a fallen world. Jesus said the devil is the prince of the power of the air. 
and he's a liar, and he's the father of lies. So Paul basically is giving us a wonderful warning here in Colossians. He says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Christ is always our greatest example. He's the Son of God. He, he came to, to, to save the world. He's my Lord and my Savior. And the Bible is the Word of God, and the, it's the final authority on what is true and what's not true. I'm going to take my first break and come back. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up For Jesus. We return to Stand Up For Jesus with Craig Nedro on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM. Welcome back. This is Stand Up For Jesus, and I'm Craig Nedro. On the program today, I'm talking about kind of the world, where we're at in the world, and I'm sharing, really, I'm focusing on four different scriptures from the Bible that I think apply to our world today. And I started out in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, where Paul says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. And so I have a lot of people that will come to me and say, hey, Pastor Craig, or uh, Craig, can you help me out? How, how, how can I stay where I'm, I'm, not, I'm not completely stressed out with what's happening in the world? How can I help me out? What do I need to do? And, and of course, my go-to always is to go to the Word. Folks, I try to spend time every day in the Word of God. Do I do it every day? Well, almost. Um, I can't. I can't remember the last time I wasn't didn't spend some time in the Word and sometime during the day. But it's that my point is it's that important in my life that I have to spend time daily in the Word. Now, flip back over to the Book of Romans, and in Romans, Paul was also the author of Romans. We're going to go to chapter twelve in Romans, and this to me is just a wonderful um, formula for being uh, solid and grounded and rooted. Listen, and again, I I don't mean this in an arrogant way when I say this, but as a follower of Christ, we do not have to fear what's happening in the world today. I'm going to take it one step further. A lot of you may know this, and if you don't, that's okay. But um, my wife and I own a couple of companies, and I'm a businessman. I have another program that's on this same radio station called the Business Owner Hour. I own a merger and acquisition firm, and um, the Lord has blessed us tremendously. My wife and I are very blessed by God, and I don't mean this in an arrogant manner, but I don't care what the world economy says. I don't care what the national economy says because I don't live according to the world economy. I don't live according to the national economy. I live according to God's economy. If God says he can bless me, he can bless me. If God says he will bless me, I believe he will bless me. And so with that in mind, there's a tremendous peace that comes with that. Jesus gives us a lot of promises in the Bible that we'll be okay, that, uh, that we will, there will be things that will happen in the world. Uh, we, can have, we can make sense of them because the Bible tells us things that are transpiring right now in our world. The Bible tells us that these things would happen, and they are, as the Bible said they would. And so that gives me a tremendous amount of peace. Nothing happening in the world is going to cause me to be frantic or to be uh, overcome with, with grief or anxiety, because my Bible tells me what's going on. And so in in Romans, I want you to go to chapter 12. And in Romans chapter 12, this is wonderful teaching from Paul. And Paul says in verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I want to focus on that first part of that where Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is an amazing statement by Paul. First of all, when Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, I'm going to give you a word picture. Everybody has seen cookies made like in the shape of a Christmas tree or in the shape of a uh, of an angel or whatever it is. So w- when you take a piece of dough and you take that cookie cutter and you press it down into the dough and you actually pull that up and it's got a piece of dough that's in the shape of a Christmas tree or or whatever it is, that's a good word example of something being conformed. In other words, you press that metal down into the dough and it conforms a piece of dough into that shape. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. In other words, just because the world says something is right doesn't mean it's right. Just because the world says, I have to believe in this, and this is a real problem right now. We now live in a society where society says, you must believe this way. Well, I must not believe that way. That, that Just because the world or society says, I must believe this way, or I must accept this particular thing, doesn't mean I'm going to. The Bible says, do not be, do not be conformed to this world. And there's a reason the Bible tells us that. Because this world is fallen. There's a lot of evil in the world. There's a lot of deception in the world. Um, there's a lot of um, wickedness and depravity in the world. I don't want to be conformed to this world. The Bible tells us as followers of Christ that we are to be different. There's... Uh, and, and again, I'm going to oversimplify this, but there's simply some things that my wife, Micah, and I just can't participate in. There's some kinds of parties we don't get invited to, and that's okay. There, there's certain people that I, I, I will not and cannot hang around with. And I don't mean that in a judgmental way. I just, I want to surround myself, to the best of my ability, I want to surround myself with people that are loving that care about people, that care about how they live their lives. Uh, I want to I surround myself. I'm 66 years old. I want to surround myself with men that care about their families, uh, care about their kids and their grandkids, and treat their spouses, their wives correctly. Um, I, I, you know, I try to surround myself with like-minded people. And just because the world says I have to believe something doesn't mean I have to believe it. I want to test it. The Bible says do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit. Take what you hear and say, okay, let me think about this. Just because society says that we have to go down this road, and look, I, I'm not trying to be hateful. I'm not trying to be judgmental. But I can tell you, my dad and my my uh, wife's dad, they both passed away the same year about 10 years ago. And if they came out of the grave right now and saw that we've got transvestites that are going into our elementary schools and dancing in front of our little kids, you know what they'd say? What in the world's wrong with you people? There's nothing society can say to me that tells me that that's right. I don't want to, I don't want to, forgive me if this offends you, but I don't want a transvestite going into my grandkids' school and, and, and dancing around in front of my grandkids. And I don't think that makes me a bad person that I feel that way. I think most of us feel that way. So Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. And then he says, but be transformed. I'm going to give you... Uh, a word picture of being transformed. We've all seen a butterfly before. Well, you know, before it was a butterfly, it was in a cocoon. So when it's in a cocoon, it's a, it's in a worm. It's like a worm. 
And then over through a, a process of transformation, it breaks out of that cocoon. And when it breaks out of that cocoon, it comes out in the world as a beautiful butterfly. That's a really good word picture of being transformed. In other words, I used to be one way before I surrendered my life to Christ, but I'm different now. I'll give you an example. I used to have a real problem with cussing. I used to swear really bad. Not proud of it, but it's the truth. I used to swear really bad. When I got saved, one of the first things that the Lord did to me, he changed my language. I don't swear anymore. Now, can I tell you that that I have never sworn since I got born again? No, but I will tell you that it is very rare when you will hear a swear word come out of my mouth. And that's one of the first things that God did with me is he changed my speech. He also changed my morals, my values, my viewpoints on a lot of things. But uh, there's a transformation. Jesus says when we surrender our lives to Christ, we become new creatures in Christ. And he says all things become new. See, when I, when I got saved and I began spending a lot of time in the Word of God, the Word of God began to cleanse my mind, cleanse my spirit, cleanse my conscience. Uh, I, I conf- you know, the Lord revealed a lot of really ugly things to me about Craig Nedro. And I had to confess that I was wrong in so many different areas. But here's the neat thing about God. When God shows us and reveals to us our, our shortcomings and our sins and our wickedness, he doesn't leave us like that. He, forget- he wants us to confess it because he already knows it. But he doesn't leave us there. He begins to transform us and remake us into a new, a, new, a new creature in Christ. He gives us a different set of morals and values. I'm sure all of you have met people that can say, listen, this, this is how I used to be, and this is how I am now. I'm like that old song, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. There was a Craig Nedro before I got saved, and that's a different person than Craig Nedro after he got saved. And that's a wonderful example of when Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And then he says, by the renewing of your mind. Why does Paul say that? And I'll tell you why. Because the mind is where the devil attacks us. You think about Jesus when he was in the wilderness. He was hungry. He was in the wilderness for 40 days and hadn't eaten. And when the devil came and tempted Jesus, the first thing the devil said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, now think about that. The devil is, ta- is talking to Jesus. Jesus, and Jesus knows who he is. He's the Son of God. And yet the devil says, if you are the Son of God. So immediately the devil tried to get Jesus to question who he was. Well, that, the devil does the same thing with us today. He attacks us in the mind. And because if he can put thoughts into your mind, if he can attack you in your mind, that's where he starts, and that's where the real core, the root of the battleground is. So Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I've had people ask me, Craig, how do I transform my mind? I'm going to give you three quick examples of how to transform your mind. The first way, the first way and this is an ongoing process, by the way. It's not something you do one time and, and okay, I've, I've renewed my mind. I'm good now. It's an ongoing process. I still have to do it often and regularly. But the first way you renew your mind is in prayer. You know God's listening. So sometimes I have to get still and I have to get quiet and I have to say, Lord, whatever is not of you in my mind, forgive me for my thoughts that are unpleasing to you. Forgive me for my thoughts that are, are, are wrong 
and that are incorrect. And, Lord, I'm asking you to help me. I'm asking you to renew my mind, Lord. Now, do you not think God would honor that prayer? See, I've told people before, listen, when you pray to God, be honest with him. Tell him exactly what's on your mind. If you're angry, tell God you're angry. He already knows it. He's got big shoulders. If you're upset or if you're lonely or if you're scared or if you're confused, bring those issues and pray to God about them. So the first thing I do to renew my mind is I pray. The second thing I do to renew my mind is I get in the Word. Jesus said, you are already clean because of the words that I speak to you. The Word of God has a cleansing effect on us. See, I may have a certain area of my mind that I have wrong thinking on. And so when I go to the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit leads me to a certain verse and I look at it and I go, wow, I hadn't thought about that that way. That's that's the Lord cleansing my mind through his word. So the first way I renew my mind is through prayer. The second way I renew my mind is through the scripture, spending time in the word of God. And the third thing I do is I put barriers, I put guards on my mind. Listen, and I I don't say this in an arrogant manner, but I don't look at any pornography. I will not allow myself to look at pornography because A, Any man that thinks he can't be susceptible to pornography is a target for the devil because the devil loves it when you go, oh, that could never happen to me. The devil goes, really? So I put guards on my eyes. I put guards on my mind. Here's another reason I don't want to look at pornography. It dishonors my wife. It dishonors God. It, It damages my witness. And it's a horrible example to those around me. What kind of example would I be to my grandkids if, I, if they knew that, I, that their, their grandfather looked at pornography? I'm simply not going to do it. I put guards on my life, on my mind, on certain things that I don't want to look at. So the first thing, the way we renew our mind is through prayer. The second way is through the scriptures. And the third way that we renew our mind is by putting barriers and guards on our mind. I'm going to take my second break. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up For Jesus. More of Craig Nedro and Stand Up For Jesus on Christian Talk Radio. The Word, 100.7 FM. Welcome back. This is Stand Up For Jesus. I'm Craig Nedro, talking about living in the world that we live in right now, trying to live in a way that honors God, that honors family, that honors our witness, that honors Jesus. I talked about first that Paul said in Colossians, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. I mentioned that is, in my opinion, what is taking place in our American universities and not just in our universities now. It's also happening in high schools and middle schools and even grade schools now. You know, it's, and I know that a lot of parents share this concern with me, but and I ask my grandkids when I get to spend some time with them, how's school? I like to ask them, what are you being taught in school? But it shocks me some of the things that I know that our kids are being taught in schools. I want my kids to learn the right kind of things in school. I, I, I want them to. I want. Them, I want my grandsons to learn how to be, how to be a man, and how to how to treat women, and how to treat other people and how to be good people and how to live their life with integrity and morals and values. I want my my grandsons to be raised the right way. I want my granddaughters to be raised to respect family, respect their husbands whenever when when they get married, to to respect other people. 
uh, to have morals and values. These are important things to me, and it may sound corny to some people, but I don't care. I want the best for my kids and my grandkids. And so as, you know, that scripture from Paul where he says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, it's taking place in our schools now. And Paul prophesied this. Paul wrote the book of Colossians somewhere around 40, between 40 and 50 uh, A.D. I mean, this is over 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote this, and it sounds like he, it reads from today's newspaper. Then I, wrote, uh, I, I taught for the last section, I taught from Romans chapter 12, when Paul also says in Romans chapter 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I talked about the three basic ways I, that I, on an ongoing process, renew my mind. The first one is through prayer. The second one through is, is through spending quality time in the Word of God, which I'm telling you is one of the most important things any of us can do is to spend quality time in the Word of God. <clears throat> and then Paul, and I said the third way is by putting barriers on things that I can and cannot look at, things I can and cannot be involved in, things I can and cannot do. We have to have barriers. Uh, you know, there's tremendous freedom in Christ. People think, oh, well, the Christian, the Christian faith is it's all a book of rules and regulations. That's a lie from the devil. See, when we try to live our lives according to what God says is right and wrong, God tells us you're not going to be perfect. You're going to fail. You're going to stumble. You're not going to be. He said, but I know that. That's why I sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to lead a perfect life, and he did. And Jesus said, you can't lead a perfect life, but I did. And I died for you, and I will accept and take your punishment or any any sin or error or or mistakes you've made. I died. I, I I died on the cross for that. I got that. Just give me your life. Surrender your life to me. And so, through the scriptures, we're able to look and see. Okay, in this area, the God's word says I should try not to do this, but I should do this. And when we try to live our lives in, in according to how God says we should live, God will protect us. He will bless us. He, he, will, um, he will do things for us that we don't even have any idea that he's doing. And I'm telling you this as a witness. I'm telling you this because it's happened in my own life. There's so many ways God blesses me and protects me that I don't even know about. And when we really understand the, the freedom that's in Jesus— I don't have to be perfect because he was. I don't have to I don't have to think I'm never going to make a mistake because I am going to make a mistake. I'm the Bible says God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent. See, I'm a man. In my life there's times that I lie. And I'd like to tell you I'll never lie again. But if we consider an exaggeration a lie or it, what what I'm going to be real candid here. What if I'm having a conversation with somebody and I go, no, I think that painting is really good when I think the painting is horrible. You might say, well, yeah, but you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Okay, but am I lying to them? If I tell them the painting's good when you when it's horrible, I mean, and I'm not trying to get too deep in the woods there, but my point is I'm a man and I make mistakes. Jesus didn't make any mistakes. That's why Jesus is my Lord and Savior, because I don't have to be perfect. There's freedom in, in, in Christ. My first book was called Free Indeed, and Jesus said, Whom the Son makes free shall be free indeed. Jesus said, Once you surrender your life to me, 
You're free to enjoy your life. Now, does he want us to try to live our lives in a way that pleases God? Yeah, the Bible teaches us that. But when we surrender to Christ, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to live in with guilt and fear and condemnation. When I know I've made a mistake, I stop. I say, Lord, forgive me for that. I can, I, I, the Bible says that he who says he has no sin deceives himself, and the truth is not in him. But whoever confesses his sin, God is faithful to forgive him from, for all unrighteousness. God says, I already know it. Just tell me about it so we can get rid of it. And so when I know I've missed the mark, when I know I've stumbled or sinned, I don't want to carry it around and feel guilty. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to come and go, Lord, I'm back again. I, I, I said this. I said this to Micah, or I said this to some, a friend or a family member, and I'm sorry, Lord, or I've done this, or I've hurt somebody's feelings, or I've, I'm, I want to get I want to get rid of it, so I could try to confess it as soon as I can, ask God to forgive me, and I know He does, ask Him to cleanse me in the blood of Christ. I know He does, and I want to get back on track. So the, <clears throat> I'm going to share two more scriptures with you quickly. Actually, here's what I'm going to do: I'm going to take my last break, come back. We're going to finish the last segment with two more scriptures. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up for Jesus. Back to Stand Up for Jesus with Craig Nedro on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM. Welcome back. This is Stand Up for Jesus. I'm Craig Nedro. Really important on the program today, I'm trying to just talk in a very practical manner about the world we're living in right now, some ways that we can be aware of what's going on, that we can try to not be conformed to the world around us, but that we can be transformed and how that transformation can take place. And <clears throat> I want to now I want to share two more scriptures with you in the book of John. John writes in chapter 20. So if you have your Bible, slip over to John chapter 20. And I love these two verses. And towards the end of the book of John, John's, remember, John was, he walked with Jesus. He was one of Jesus' uh, closest disciples. And John says in John chapter 20, verse 30, John says, and truly, in other words, he's speaking, he, he says, I want you to know I'm not lying here. I'm telling you the truth, the truth. He says, truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. I love the simplicity of the Scripture sometimes. John says, look, th these things that we've written are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. You know, I find it interesting. When people hear that Jesus Christ, J Christ is not Jesus' last name, folks. His, la it's, his name is not Jesus Christ. His name was Jesus. He is the Christ. And a lot of people, you, may, you might think, well, that's kind of odd, but what do you mean by that? The word Christ in the original uh, Greek language is the word Christos, and it means the Messiah. It means the one chosen by God, sent by God to save the world from sin, who will come again. That's what the word Christ means. And so here John writes, and he says, <clears throat> we write these things that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is the chosen one. He is the one sent by God. And John goes ahead and says, the Son of God and that believing you may have life in his name. Real simple, real simple verse, but I want to drill it down even a little bit more. What does Jesus say about himself? So in John, most of you know this verse, but go John chapter 14. And I want to finish with this, because 
this is the most, in my opinion, maybe the most important verse in the whole Bible. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus is speaking. And John 14 and 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It bears repeating. Let me read it again. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Notice what Jesus didn't say there. Jesus did not say, oh, I'm one of the ways, and I'm one of the truths, and I'm one of the lives. No, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And people will say, well, Craig, isn't that awfully narrow-minded? It, it, it's all, it, Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to d- destruction, which in that original language means damnation. So <clears throat> either Jesus was crazy, saying he was the only way to get to heaven, or he was a liar, saying he's the only way to get to heaven, or he was telling us the truth. And I'm telling you, I've spent 20 years studying this book. And I'm telling you, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. That's a clear statement from Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. I love the simplicity of the Bible. Listen, I'm so grateful that God um, so many years ago um, did what he had to do to me to bring me to the point where I surrendered my life to Christ. I want to encourage anybody out there listening. If you have still not surrendered your life to Christ, if you're on the fence, if you're, if you're on that road but you haven't got there yet, you know, we're not promised tomorrow. I want to encourage you, if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to do it now. Do it today. It's a simple prayer. It's like this. Lord, I come before you, and I know I've made mistakes. I know I'm a sinner. And I'm asking you to forgive me. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe that he is the Christ. And I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior now. Help me, Lord, to change my life. I surrender to Jesus in, uh, as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus for somebody like me. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. I'm on every Sunday on 100.7 FM, The Word. My name is Craig Nedrow. And this is Stand Up For Jesus. You've been listening to Stand Up For Jesus with Craig Nedrow, founder of Craig Nedrow Ministries and Stand Up For Jesus. If you would like more information about Craig Nedrow Ministries and Stand Up For Jesus, visit our website at craignedrowministries.org or give us a call at area code 469-688-7615. Be sure to listen next week at this same time as we Stand Up For Jesus on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM.